This is Brian Bender from Elevated Kinetics. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my friend, Scott Ramage. He interviewed me and it was a fire episode. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody, on this episode of Stories That Sell, I have my actually good friend, Brian Bender. He is the founder of Elevated Kinetics. He's a high-performance health and fitness coach, business coach. This dude's been coaching for over 20 years, and he is legit. He has a wife who is a firefighter. He is a dad of twins, definitely a fly fisherman. I see a lot of trout in his feed, and uh, and, and he has uh, kind of... Uh, done a little damage to his body in the world of hockey. So uh, we're going to dig into that real quick. But first, imagine having a team of virtual professionals helping you get massive amounts of work done from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, editing videos, creating social media content. Woo, it goes on and on. VAs for Gems is here to make sure your productivity skyrockets while performing tasks and roles you simply don't want to do or simply don't have the time or skills to do. The Ace for Gyms offers a wide variety of services that will help you run your business and save money. Simply go to www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-J-G-Y-M-S.com. <laughs> and you will find out more. And without further ado, welcome to Stories to Sell. Brian, how are you today, my friend? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you. Uh, I, I, I know a little and a lot about what you do. And so I'm really looking forward to this. And I know you have an epic story. Awesome. But what dad of twins doesn't have epic stories? <laughs> I don't know. There are some d- twin dad Facebook groups and it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. What I still don't get is the multiples, like people with three or more. Oh, how? <laughs> I don't know how. I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense in my brain. Well, I also happen to know that your wife is a firefighter, which means she does long shifts and that leaves you as daddy daycare. Do you do that? I mean, are you the one cooking, cleaning diapers, whatever the case may be? All of it. 48 hours straight. So it's 48 on 96 off. So it's two on four off. And, uh, Katie actually gets some pretty sweet overtime. So she'll just, you know, Hey, if overtime comes out, it might be a 72 hour shift instead. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> Something we might want to talk about is productivity because I know you get a lot of stuff done and that's a, that's a, that says a lot considering what you've got under your wing at the, at the household. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, that's one of the things that I keep tweaking on my journey is my little productivity systems and it's funny. You think you find the perfect one and then life changes, season changes. There's no such thing as a perfect one, but uh, 
I think the willingness to change with your season is really the key there. Yeah. I want to get into that a little later. Hopefully we remember because I'm in that mode right now where I kind of had this thing dialed in and now I'm like, you know what, there's parts of it that really need to change to really improve uh, my own personal machine, if you will. So the way we always start this podcast is by storytelling. And I just would love for the members or the listeners to hear you talk about your journey from probably youth, because I, I kind of know some of the backstory, the, the youth and kind of what drove you into the career choices and business choices you've made from that time on. Yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll try to give you the short version, but if we want to, you know, double click on any of the specifics there, then we can zoom in on it more. Um, so yeah, I was always active growing up. I, uh, bit of a rebellious kid that shouldn't surprise anybody. I, you know, product of divorce, all this stuff. Uh, anyway, long story short, I, uh, graduate high school and I took like a gap year. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Didn't really want to go to school yet as most kids don't. Uh, but I grew up in Colorado. So I wanted to be a ski bum for that year. So I went and I got a job as a dishwasher at winter park resort. And, you know, season opens up end of November, live up there. Everything's cool. Uh, it took me less than a month to take a jump on my snowboard and completely shatter my spine. So L3 vertebrae, literal cornflakes. And I wasn't the smartest at this particular moment in my life. So instead of being laid out on the ski resort slope, like most people would be, I was, but I decide it's a pulled muscle. Oh. So I'm going to get myself off this mountain. And I did. And I end up driving myself all the way back down to my dad's house, which is a two hour drive on my elbows because I couldn't put any pressure in my butt. I walk in using a ski pole as a cane and he takes one look at me and he's like, why didn't you just go to the hospital? And I'm like, it's a pulled muscle. I'm all right. And he's like, Oh, if you're all right, why aren't you still up there? So he takes me to the hospital. I'm laid out in the back of the car. They do the MRI and the doctor comes in white as a ghost. Like, look at this thing, literal shards of bone past your spinal cord. Oh. You should be paralyzed from the belly button down right now. So we got to keep you here. We don't know if you are paralyzed in the inside. So I was in the hospital for about a week so they could watch me. Um, and anyway, I spent the next six months in this clamshell brace that went from my armpits all the way down to my hips, uh, pain meds. I have not touched an Xbox since that time in my life. <laughs> so. Hey, before we get started, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Yeah, I did not know that. Well, I knew a little bit of the story. I knew it was a bad break, but I had no clue. I'd never heard the part where you drove back home. 
you are idiotic. Seriously, uh, uh, blessed that that didn't cause more more trauma. So, yeah. so you this gap year, and now you pretty much just completely smashed your back. Yeah. What was what were the doctors saying through recovery, and what would be your abilities, and and how would life look from that point on? Yeah. So one of my big drivers, I was a hockey player growing up and actually I even started coaching when I was before this even happened. So I was, my big driver was, well, okay. Back's broken. I'm in a brace. Can't do my, uh, ski bum job. So, all right, I guess I'll enroll in school instead because I can go to school while in a back brace. So I, I get enrolled in school, but one of my big things for the doctor was, you know, I want to play hockey. I want to be able to play at school. And he's basically like, I don't know if that's going to be an option. We'll see. And he's like, never squat, never deadlift, all these limitations. And I don't know if he knew what he was doing with what he was dealing with. Cause basically he says, don't do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do everything you told me not to do. Um, but I was in pain every day and I had to fix it because I hated the meds. Uh, that's not a way that I wanted to live for the rest of my life. Uh, I was lucky. He didn't fuse it. He did tell me by the time I was 30, I would need a fusion. Still haven't gotten one because I had no pain as I got stronger. So I learned everything I could in the subsequent years about strength training and nutrition and, uh, you know, ended up going, getting my certification and doing all that kind of stuff at that time while I was in school, but that cured my pain. I got back and I, I played hockey again. I skied again, I actually don't really snowboard anymore. That's I used to do both. Uh, but, uh, it's not, I get, it's not really cause of the injury, but it probably is deep down, but I don't do that anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. so it was your decision to kind of dive into like the health and nutrition segment up, uh, result of your own journey of recovery and getting off meds? Yeah, it was a, it was a combination of things. That was, um, it was an awful year for me. Uh, that was the first thing when it was about April of that same year, I came home and found my brother. He had overdosed. He was in a coma. So there was that. So that really drove me to go into the health realm too. So it was a combination of fixing my pain, uh, through strength training. And also like, man, this whole world of drugs and overdose. I hate that whole thing. I like health and I want to be in this positive role for the rest of my life. So it was like, it was a combination of things. Yeah. That must've been really hard coming home. Was your brother older or younger than you? Younger, younger. So yeah, it was tough. And he, he ended up coming out of it, but he never fully recovered. So that's another whole story, but, uh, right. right. Yeah. 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 So then like unfold what happened from then on out, like how did you get into doing what you're doing, but don't skip any details of, of the journey. So I, I really never thought I would ever be in fitness still, because when I went to school, I went to school for economics and finance and uh, business. And I wanted to be on wall street. And uh, this was before the Wolf of Wall Street came out, but it was still fashionable to like want to live that life. So that was that was what I wanted. I graduated in 2008. So I, <laughs> I yeah, pretty much so, a good sign not to do that. <laughs> totally. Well, I got a couple of jobs uh, before the big crash. So mm-hmm. one of them was selling insurance at Northwest Mutual. Didn't like that. Then I moved to Schwab with more of a Series Seven track. 
And of course that blew up with the crash. Um, so, but this whole time I'm playing hockey, I'm coaching hockey and I'm getting to the point where I'm getting pretty good at the off ice strength and conditioning stuff. I'm doing, uh, I am doing personal training, but it's all like this side thing. Um, so anyway, the, the crash happens. I do some weird jobs, you know, solar panel company, battery company, uh, medical billing, like anything, anything over the sun. And then, uh, I end up at one point just saying, Hey, what if I made this fitness thing, my thing and did the classic story opened a gym in my garage. Yeah. So that was the short way to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it successful having a gym in your garage? Uh, well, we outgrew, like we outgrew it. My neighbors got pissed off. It was yeah, like yeah. the classic, this was back in 2012 ish. Uh, so this was, yeah, we, we were running around doing crazy stuff, carrying kegs, throwing medicine balls, being loud. The neighbors were like, what the heck's going on here? But we packed it. We rent a space, uh, not much longer after that. It was small. Um, same, same type of story. We outgrew the space, doubled in size, and then we went too big. And I didn't like that, but, uh, anyway, it, I wish it, I wish we stayed at the original size, but that's a whole, that's another story too. So how was it going from, you know, kind of piecing job to job and then, and then kind of piecing several things together where you're coaching, coaching, uh, hockey and doing the strength training. And then all of a sudden you find yourself a business owner. Had you always wanted to be a business owner? Did you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Always. Yeah. I used to say, uh, I don't care what it is. I'm going to eventually run my own business. I don't care if I sell flowers. Um, I was the kid with the lemonade stand. I was the kid. I sold caramel apple pops out of my locker in sixth grade. Oh yeah. Um, I had an eBay account when I was 15 and that was a great deal because basically my dad would give me his junk that he wanted to get rid of. And then I would keep all of the profit. So that was a great, great little gig then. But yeah, so it wasn't if it was when for, for right. entrepreneurship. Yeah. So what were some of the, the um, things in that brick and mortar business as you moved through that, that influenced you or, or was there any situations where you just really had to grow? Was it what you thought it was going to be? It, not at all. Because when I went into fitness, I kind of dropped the thought of this romanticizing entrepreneurship. I just thought, Hey, a gym, don't you just like work out all day and train clients? This has got to be like the easiest joke of a business ever. And I can actually get paid to do it. So I, in my head, it was this lifestyle business where I didn't really care about the money. And this was a story that I told myself. Uh, so I worked out way too much, competed in Olympic weightlifting, uh, didn't really focus a lot on learning the real skills required to run a business, but I was a great coach. So that kind of got me through through the holes of not learning the real business skills like sales and marketing. How many, how, you know, a question just came to mind. How frequent do you think business owners tell themselves that I don't really care about this. this is not about the money. And what did you, when did you realize that actually money, money matters and how did it change you as a business owner? So, well, two things, I think any lifestyle type business where people open the business because it's a passion project. They tell themselves that as an excuse to not 
ask for more money because it softens the blow, so to speak. They don't feel like salesy or whatever you want to put it. Um, I had several iterations of needing to make more money. When we expanded, our rent was like off the charts. We had a real team of coaches. They had to get paid. Suddenly I was supporting this team. When it really hit me though, is when I had kids. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's when it was the real gut punch. It was like, this business is barely profitable. It's not even really like if, uh, if we're on shark tank, Kevin O'Leary would have said, take it out back and shoot it. Yep. Right. Um, and it's that, that gut punch was like, I got to make real money so I can give the kids the life I want to give them. Yeah. Yeah. That bigger purpose, that bigger calling to, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you really hit something where we, a lot of people do business as a passion project and, or, or it's a, you know, it's a hobby turned business and they have this dialogue in their head that they can't ask for more money. And really they ultimately devalue what they're offering. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I met you in 2017 at a gym, like a, a gym mentor type gathering. That was the first time I met you. You were in, I think at that time in a big facility, you had multiple yes. things going on. Um, but we were that- trying to create at that time, a full on health, uh, brick and mortar, uh, basically, uh, everything preventative health, uh, what you might find at a functional medicine doctor, if they also had massage, right. Mm-hmm. And everything else, uh, that's what we were trying to create and basically with, with no capital. So, but it was a good idea, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, what happened that, that, I mean, I know you're not in brick and mortar anymore. So what's the story from, from you have this collaborative, I believe is what you called it. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> called it the ideal collaborative because it was this ideal version of health. So, yeah. 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 Which when you told me about it, I'm like, that's really cool. Like, yeah. And like, assume, try to figure out if that would work or not, or as, assume that it wasn't or was working for you. I was just like, wow, that was really cool. <laughs> like, we were trying to get clients to do blood work, genetic testing, and tell them to go to this guy that had this office for needling and massage and try to get all these professionals to work on behalf of the client. Well, they didn't all want to go to the same place for that, or we didn't evolve our avatar to actually meet that because the avatar was still fitness junkies who liked group fitness or, or sport performance people. And it wasn't it. I didn't understand that about business at the time. I needed to completely evolve avatar in order to make that work. Yeah, I, that's that's something that comes up so frequently in this in this podcast. People talk about their avatar and then really niching down and how incredibly yeah. important that is. Yeah. So tell me, really, what what happened from the brick and mortar to where you are today? So a perfect storm of COVID, and our lease ended uh, literally March of 2020. Wow. Yeah. So stuck. I you know. I put so much into this thing. I even did a full rebrand uh, months prior to that. I think I sunk 30 or 40K into it. So I was emotionally invested. I wanted to keep going. Uh, my landlord basically said long-term lease or no term. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how this COVID thing's going to look. How about one year? And then we'll, we'll reevaluate. Said no. So I didn't want to go through a move. Uh, Previously, I had a coach who posed as somebody who wanted to buy the gym. Uh, that was fake. And they just wanted to see 
uh, behind the scenes. That's another story too. Um, anyway, it wasn't really an option to sell the gym either, uh, just because of the environment and everything that it was in, but I wanted to keep the brand. It was, I, I still like the brand. Uh, so we sold off the equipment. It was like four bucks a pound on dumbbell. We made a killing and I have an amazing basement gym. Um, but right then, so we'd actually been doing online training just for programming, uh, since 2016, but it was only like a handful of clients and it was usually the clients who were traveling a lot. So we could kind of bridge the gap there. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's pivot online. And I kind of went all in on my own education to figure out how to actually pivot in the way that I wanted to. And what I found is that with my expertise level, I could actually serve a higher level client with a better level of service than I was doing previously. And it was actually easier to fulfill. And I validated it actually fairly quickly. Um, after I got my, my current clients kind of, Hey guys, we're not going to be doing $200 a month memberships anymore. Here's what I'm doing now. Uh, so a handful of them stuck with me as we moved into this new version of it and it was launched. Yeah. You really did hit the perfect storm because a lot of people I know within the gym space were at this place where I either forfeit, I have to pay out 50, 60 grand in lease because I have this, I'm locked in at a lease if I want to close or I've got to figure something out to bridge the gap. And yeah. you already kind of pivoted a little bit online. Uh, just absolute amazing that your lease was up. And curious, did that landlord fill the spot? Because that seems like it would be really hard at that time. He, I don't, I think it is now, but I, uh, I remember driving by and it was still our logo on the door like months later. And I'm like, he could have been getting rent, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. It <laughs> Any regrets? At all with, with that? No, not at all. Uh, wishing I had made some of these life-changing decisions sooner without COVID, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but no, absolutely no regrets. I miss my members. I miss the day-to-day -day interaction. Mm -hmm. I now have a deeper connection with my clients, um, online, which is really weird. You'd think it wouldn't be, but I do miss the daily, you know, walking in, being the mayor type thing. Right. I did enjoy that aspect of it, but, uh, that's about all I miss. Everything else is, is better now. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people really, really look forward to that mayor role. And I'm going to do a dad joke. I'm just prefacing it here, you know, shaking babies and, and kissing hands. Exactly. But yeah. It, there, I know quite a few gym owners that got into that role and it's, pre, it's pretty awesome, but I want to hear about that connection with the online clients. How do you think that works? You say you have a better connection with your own clients now that you did than you did with people in person. Uh, so part of it is the intimacy of the, the zoom call, um, whether it's one-to-one -one or one to small group, the other part of it is going super, uh, niche because it's really in, even though it, we're doing fitness stuff, we're doing a lot of mindset stuff and personal development. And that's really where we're moving the needle. So it's a lot of vulnerable discussions, actually both ways. I share a lot of things with my clients that I probably never would have in, in a gym setting. 
that then gets them to open up and we can make a lot of progress in a little bit of time, even with just a weekly, weekly call. But I mean, it's multiple, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're messaging all the time. We're looming, uh, different projects back and forth and we're on zoom. It's like multifaceted. I don't think I ever had that level of accountability, even in person with my clients. So Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know about looming, but it really is a really cool way to communicate. You just capturing like a screen and a video and you're talking and it just opens up a whole new world of like explanation and communication. A lot of people aren't using, which I think is crazy. Yeah. Right now I have a client, we, we have a version of, it's sort of a vision board, but for her, she needs to review this stuff that's top of mind. And she's trying to eliminate a lot of toxic relationships that she's got going on. So it was literally just, she's in her Google docs and she's like, here's where I'm at. And I come back and I send a loom about the type of language she's using and how to structure it. And it's like, it goes back and forth, but it feels like we're, we're there in person, even though we're not. And it's, it's awesome. Cause we get a lot done. And she's like, Oh my God, that was the best two minutes. Like, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> And, uh, so she's pumped and she's just on to the next, um, but yeah, this is like every single day, something like this is happening and it's like loom really, but yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. Well, it's really power powerful for each person presenting or talking. You get to collect your thoughts and then there's, there's a presentation and a layout where people, where you're saying kind of without all the fluff that can happen in between and the back and forth, you get to get your whole, your, your whole thought out. And then a response comes, if only we communicated like that in person, it would be a lot better off, wouldn't we? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Avatar. I want to, I want to pivot away from your story. I'm sure it'll kind of wind back in, but um, I've known you since you, since you've moved out of the brick and mortar. And I think I've noticed a few changes in your avatar, or maybe it was niching down and then re-niching. So how has that gone for you? And, and, What's the evolution? You don't have to tell us what your avatar is. You absolutely can, but what's that evolution been like? Yeah. So it, with the gym, it was busy people that want to get healthy. Okay. Who's not busy. Right. Right. So that's, there's no such niche. Um, so when I pivot online, I'm like, okay, I need to target this down more. The first iteration was people with schedule freedom, meaning whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a job, at least you can control the schedule in it. Why did I do that? Because I need them to do certain things throughout the day. So to literally program in, whether it's a transition routine or a, or a uh, exercise program or meal, pl- whatever it is, I needed that to be true in order to get success. So what does that turn into? Uh, leaders, business owners. Okay. So I went, I did a bunch of execs, engineers, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs kind of stuck. Cause it's like, I relate to them best. Right. Uh, so that's probably just a good fit. Um, but they have schedule freedom theoretically, depending on what their business is. Uh, so where that went, which was really interesting is the entrepreneur niche or conversations, they get results in high performance. They get results in fitness and nutrition. That's like, to me, that's low hanging fruit. All right. That's fixed in eight weeks or 12 weeks cool. The conversations evolve. And now we're talking about business stuff. And I'm finding that a lot of the struggles that I went through or learned from, or my failures, so to speak, were really helping these other entrepreneurs in different 
different businesses. So then all of a sudden I'm becoming a business coach and I had no idea that it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I noticed is all your health. And then all of a sudden you're, you're talking about all these business things. And I knew you were, you were a student of, you know, trying to figure out how to be the most productive and how it, all these things mindset. I knew you were a major student of that for yourself as well. Um, so are you still then in the entrepreneur business owner type space? So I launched my own consulting offer and it, it was, it was moderately successful, but I met, uh, Austin Netsley over at, uh, it's a company called two X. He offered me a job, a part-time job, just doing business coaching, which I took and I love it. So I'm like, okay, so I can do business coaching over here and work at work at two X part-time. And then I can do my health stuff over here. Perfect blend done, done, done. So that's still what I'm doing is I have a part-time role there doing business coaching they have phenomenal systems. And I just really aligned with Austin with the way that he helps business owners and he's all, his niche is mostly sub $5 million businesses. So hmm. small and micro businesses, uh, not, we're not talking about your 20, 30, $50 million uh, businesses. So kind of my, my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, then that enables me to do this um, high performance coaching on the side and even help my wife launch her clothing brand, but trying to, trying to take a step back from that because that's not my baby. And she was my cheerleader all the way through the gym. So right. I'm here trying to be her cheerleader and then I'll step in as she's asking me to, but I don't want to step on her toes. So that's kind of how it's evolved. Get into business coaching. Um, actually, Katie and I decided to do this clothing line uh, about at the same time the gym was closing. We actually used some of the cash from the equipment to fund it. Um, but it took forever to get production done. Um, so now that's finally launched, but, uh, but I don't, I'm like, not, I can't take any credit for it. That's all her. I'm just here. So sh to support her, but, but that's sort of me now is part-time business coaching, part-time high performance coaching. And once in a while, Katie will ask me questions about her clothing line. <laughs> yeah, I plan to talk about this, but my wife is, um, at the beginning stages, well, she's been working on something for a really long time. And we finally got found the right coach. And we're, oh, nice. we're at this stage where um, she's building and doing and all these things. And, and she's like, I, got, I have to make a funnel. And of course, my brain's like, okay. And man, it's hard being a spouse, uh, an entrepreneur with your spouse diving into the entrepreneur world. Are you experiencing that yourself? And totally. be, be careful here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because there's, there's things I want to say or things I want to help with. But I know deep down that if she learns it on her own, it's going to be better in the long run. I can't save her from some of these hard learns, but if she asks, I will give it to her willingly, but yeah. she's got to ask the right question. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like tread lightly help when needed, but don't overextend. For me, it's like, just do the one thing I'm being asked to do and then shut up. Exactly. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's really hard to do. <laughs> it is. So yeah, if she wants me to jump on a meeting with the designers because she's having issues, yes, I will be there. If she decides like, hey, maybe we should do a funnel instead of the Shopify store, then yes, I would love to help her with that. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think this is a good opportunity. I'm going to let you plug your other stuff later, which you've kind of done, but I want you to plug your wife's business because this is what we do as awesome spouses is we help our, our, our spouse. Build yeah. So it's... <laughs> 
It is stylish and functional clothing just for toddlers. So super niched, but if you guys, guys or girls listening to this, either have a toddler or know somebody who does, uh, check out averywyatt.com. That's really cool. And the link, it will be in the podcast notes as always. And I highly encourage you to go check it out because I know one thing about at least Brian's son is that he likes to jump and move and is pretty, pretty reckless, right? He's, he's insane. And then it's like, if I look away for 30 seconds, he's jumping off of something else. He actually just broke his arm. Oh, wow. All Literally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked over for two seconds. I turn around and he's jumping off of a mantle and he's got a little, he's got a brace on for a few weeks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the clothes <laughs> go through probably a little testing in-house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually the knees are reinforced on oh, our cool. color clothes. Yeah. yeah but sense. they look really good too. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They're super high. I'm not like telling Katie, we should do mommy and me or daddy and me so I can get some. Cause I kind of want them. <laughs> <laughs> My clothing's gotta be a hard niche to get into a hard, a hard business to get into, but that is so cool. So let's talk a little bit about Brian. I, you know, I know you have a ton of things like you have some incredible mindset stuff. You've helped me with a lot of things. I know I can ask you questions all the time and, and you help me move the needle in my own life. So um, like, let's talk about how you operate as now like this business coach and this, uh, this health coach. What, do you, what are some things that you do that are non-negotiables that help you stay uh, at the top of your game personally? So let's go high level first. 100% compartmentalization. So if I'm on a client call, I'm 100% present with that client. If I'm doing a podcast like this, I'm not checking my phone or thinking about my kid's broken arm unless I'm telling a story about it. Okay. So what that also enables me to do is at 5 PM or whenever my last call gets done or whenever I'm done for the day, I turn that off and I work at home. So I got a transition into being 100% present for my wife and my kids. And that's something that, you know, we went through with the gym when I'm working 5am to 9pm, I come home, I'm a shell of a human being. I give my business the best of me and my family, the rest of me that almost ended me in a divorce. Right. So I will never go back there. But what I've learned is no matter what the calendar looks like, 100% compartmentalization, being fully present in that moment and whatever I'm doing, then I'm at my best. Yeah. This is something I believe in very, very firmly. It is not as easy. What practical things have you, or it's not as easy to do as it sounds. What practical things would you tell somebody? Um, you know, I'm, I'm working through it. I'm on the kind of getting on the other end of it, but what would you tell somebody who's like, I need to do that, but I can't make it happen. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out how to turn my brain off. Like tactics. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably heard of the really basics, which is like a brain dump at the end of the day. That's super basic. I think what helps, uh, that's, that's a non-negotiable by the way. Um, what really helps me is a morning routine and I'm not going to go into, don't worry, you don't need to do a three hour morning routine. Everybody has their own, but think about it. Like, uh, you've got a long road trip ahead of you. Um, are you going to get in the car, turn on the car and there's like an eighth of the tank of gas? Are you going to continue on your really long road trip? Absolutely not. You're going to gas up the tank before you go. So for entrepreneurs and high performers, that has to happen. You have to top off the tank 
in order to go about the day. And people think of this as high maintenance. Well, yeah, if you're a high performer and entrepreneur, you absolutely are a high maintenance machine, more like a Lamborghini than the beat up F-150. So if you're not maintaining the machine, you cannot operate at hundred percent. So even if a morning routine is five minutes long, that's all it takes for you to gas up the tank. That's what you need to do. Um, more importantly, so there's a lot of research on this and, you know, I, I bet this listenership is all up on all the productivity books and stuff like that, but a lot of good research on the amount of time it takes the human brain to transition between tasks. So if you're not either grouping like tasks or actually taking a time to transition between tasks, it's wildly exhausting. So if you're doing a sales call and then a client meeting, and then you're leading a staff meeting, and then you're looking at your books back to back to back to back, the, the brain just can't process all that stuff. And at the end of the day, it's still trying to process it. You're at home with your wife and you're thinking about the stuff you should have told Jeff on the call at 2 PM. So you either chunk the tasks into similar things like, like I do. So if, um, if I have to have my brain in marketing, either for a client or for my own business, I'll stay in that, that type of task or finance or whatever it is. The transition routine can be super easy. Uh, for me, it's just a five minute gap. And more often than not, it has to do with uh, my physical body. So when it's nice out, I'll literally run down the street, touch the stop sign, and I'll run back. And that gives me a way to dump what just happened. And I come back and I'm energized again. And I don't need to be drinking coffee at 2 p.m. If I don't have time for that, I'll just crank out some jumping jacks. But it has everything to do with my physiology. Even right now, I'm standing. Um, and I'll transition between standing and sitting all day. But as soon as I start going into a slump, I need to transition. I start with physicality. And it doesn't have to be special. It could be 10 push-ups. Yeah, that. I used to do that really well. And I go, I have a spot on my street that I walk to turn around, come back. And it's amazing how incredible that just that physical time was able to, I come back almost completely refreshed. Like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. So that's a and, that, and that's all it takes for me. You know, um, some of the bigger guys in the industry, like Brennan Burchard, for example, yep. he'll recommend um, a, a short meditation as a transition routine. Mm -hmm. Which, which can be good. And it's for him, it's a, it's a mantra meditation where you close your eyes for two minutes and just say something like release. And that enables you to dump whatever it was. So it depends on the person. This, this requires customization. So for me personally, I will do a meditation, but it's a longer one and it's more later in the afternoon. But what I'm talking about is just these quick transitions to get my brain into the next thing. I'm more of a physical person. Yeah. Yeah. So find your, find your thing. Uh, whatever it is, just don't yeah. go from thing to thing without something. Yeah. The production, the loss of product time and production. I'm, you said like, we're talking, we're kind of talking to the, the choir, preaching to the choir here. Yeah. The loss of time that can happen in task switching is massive. I think you lose like 80% of your productivity in that switching time. It's, it's really yeah. bad. But if you look at all the research too, if you just, even if you were to stack everything hour by hour throughout the day, compare that to taking an hour break of literally doing nothing and just going and frolicking in a meadow, you're actually more productive when you come back from that break. So think about your actual efficiency during each, each hour or each Pomodoro, however you like to work. Yeah. 
think I'm going to call this episode frolicking in a meadow. <laughs> can't quite Perfect. see you doing that, Brian. <laughs> You'll notice my theme is customization. So frolicking really in like a meadow that. might be for me, not for you, right? Yeah. So. Actually, I really like that because, you know, I have a morning routine and it happens to take two hours, but yeah. I, it's what fills my engine. It's a, and if I have to, if I'm traveling, I can get it down to 45 minutes, yeah. but I do it no matter what. But what I tell people and what it sounds like you're saying is find what works for you, but you have to have a morning routine. And the key is for what works for you right now. That's a big thing I've learned is seasonality. So mm -hmm. like you and I, knew each other or, or really talked a lot during a season I was in with my twins being brand new. Yeah. Right. Is that the season for me to do three hour morning routines? Probably not. <laughs> no. Not at all. Right. Yeah. I need to do the exact bare minimum to help somebody else. Right. But in another season, yeah, I could see doing a 45 minute walk into a workout, into journaling, into meditation, blah, blah, blah. So I just think being so rigid that you don't adapt with the season is a problem. Uh, so be able to adapt with your season, whatever that is. So in business, it tends to be push, 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 push. Like if you're in uh, at a business that does launch cycles constantly, it's, it's exhausting. So let's say you're pushing, pushing, pushing for three months. Well, guess what? Now you got to fulfill, you got to lay off the gas a little bit. Right. So your, your routines should change as well. You might need, more breaks or whatever it is for you. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we talked about like chunking morning routine, um, being flexible with, with your routines and changing them as per the season. What are some other things that you find really help dial people in when it comes to um, being more just performing higher in their business or in their health? Uh, both are related self-quantification. So in your human body, you have to track the things that are going to move the needle. And if you're, you know, what gets measured gets managed. So both in business and yourself. So if you're tracking, for example, I, my clients all have an aura ring, right? Uh, so I can creep on them. If I were to start another company that had a big sales team, I would require that all of them wear an aura ring and I would manage their energy with watching their HRV, because if their HRV is in the tank, I know they're going to go and do a sales slump. Yeah. Same thing with, with entrepreneurship or, or high performers. If you're looking at your own self-quantification and you're seeing this decline coming and you're not reacting to it and you're not bringing it back up, then everything's going to blow up and it's everything in your life. It's not just your business. You'll find those days where you have an argument with a, with a team member, you go to the, the store and the gas station clerk was an asshole. Sorry if I can't swear. Uh, then, then you come home and your, your wife, you get in a, you get in an argument with your wife, everything is compounding. You, then you look at your stats, if you're tracking them and you find that you're in the tank and you need a break. Um, so wh whether you do a wearable or not, doesn't matter. As long as you're tracking the basics like sleep, um, measurable I like to track is energy level mm. and just like a scale of one to 10 motivation. So are you motivated day to day to do what you want to do? If you're at a 10 out of 10, that's great. You're not pushing hard enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're at a one, Hey, let's, let's figure out why you're probably misaligned somehow, but uh, self-quantification. So yeah, in, 
in fitness, of course, we're looking at blood work, DNA, all that kind of stuff. But these are the metrics that move the needle for your performance. And, you know, if you get into running or strength training, those are all obvious in business. It's, it's cash and KPIs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, listening to you talk, I, I hopped on like a live, I don't know if you'd call it a webinar or a live thing that you did, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks, maybe longer. And you're talking so much about sleep and I actually had to get off to go, um, do some, uh, I was running a group, but the, you're talking so much about sleep as I really, really started to, I had been monitoring it for a long time, but, uh, I ended up with a, what is it called? Eight sleep. Nice. Yeah. Are you familiar with those? Only I've only heard about them, but I know that it's like the leader right now in bio-optimization in sleep. So I don't have one. So that thing is AI driven and it regulates the temperature. I am not waking up sweating. I, I would wake up sweating every single night. And something that always got to me is you're like, the the room needs to be 68 degrees and I could never get there with my wife. Now I have this thing that goes on my bed where it regulates my temperature and I'm always comfortable. It's insane. My sleep has gone through the roof. All of my um, data is like improving massively over time as this thing learns when to adjust up and down my temperature, uh, depending on your cycles. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You should be warmer in REM and colder and deep. And it's like, it's the only technology that actually does it. And that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So my own little plug, not that I have any, that's what I was going to say. They better be, they better be giving you (laughs) some cash for that plug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of research and I took the plunge on that and I couldn't be happier, but of course my wife gets to go to bed and it's like warm for her, which she yeah. gets in, it's warm. When I get in, it's nice and cool. I'm like, this is so awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, those things like sleep, you really talk a lot about sleep. It moves the needle more than anything else. Yeah. So, but it's also the hardest thing to fix. So yeah, it's like an ongoing discussion, but it's less changeable day to day. Like, um, like transition routines or your what you're eating or how you're working out. That's, that's all easy. Changing your sleep is actually much more difficult, but once you do it, the benefits are unbelievable. Well, we were stuck at the place where we couldn't agree on the temperature and that was a big problem. Like I knew I needed it cooler in the room. I knew I needed to be cooler to get yeah. better sleep because I can put on a mask and cover up any light that's in the room. You know, there's things you can do to get all the other things in place, but man, that temperature is so important. So my hack for that, don't, uh, hopefully my wife doesn't hear this, but she'll set the nest at 68 before we go to bed and I'll just get on my phone and lower it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I without her knowing for a long time, <laughs> I, was, I was freezing last night and couldn't sleep. It just never it went. Cause I get up earlier too. So then I set it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. She, she likes it cold. So I don't have to argue too much. So sleep moves the needle, um, the most, what other, what, what other thing do you think? that most of your clients need to fix to become healthier programming explain. So it's not our parents fault, but we're this product of nurture and nature and our programming is just like your device, right? So if you're have an Android or an Apple, that's your hardware and the software is the thing that runs it. So your software can be changed. Mm. Um, but people make statements like, well, I'm just stubborn, right? That's not true. That's an internalized statement that they've created about themselves. So the reason I lead with 
nutrition and fitness stuff is because changing programming around that is really easy. Like, well, I eat dessert every night. Okay, well, let's change your programming around why you eat dessert every night. It's not cravings. You don't have cravings. It's not it. But when you can change programming around something so simple, like nutrition and fitness, it's really easy to change it around things like being more patient with your kids, leading your staff or, or uh, showing up in a way that you're a better leader for your staff or responding to clients differently or whatever it is, whatever stories that you're telling yourself that you are the way you are. It's actually pretty easy to change it. <laughs> well, I would have thought it was hard, but the way you just explained that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure it's just incremental changes based on what we're doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, a few, a few more things I want to ask, uh, like who is right now the most influential person in your business growth? Oh man, that's a great question. Man, I have to say one. No, you could, you could give me a book. You could, whatever works for you. Well, Okay. All right. So business, uh, the, the person I keep, uh, coming back to is Jay Abraham. He's probably the most famous. Everybody knows Jay, but I just love his, um, the way he analyzes business strategy at the mindset level of the entrepreneur rather than tactically mm -hmm. somebody a little bit closer, meaning by level. Cause Jay is like way out here, um, is Austin, the founder of two X. I really look up to him as an entrepreneur and a visionary. And I try to model a lot of the things that, that he's doing, um, for books, I end up getting into the mindset books more often in business, but my current favorite is outwitting the devil. It's I'm uh, reading it right now. Yeah. It's, um, that's a reread for sure. It's, uh, for people that don't know, it's just, um, a release that never came out from Napoleon Hill that he wrote Think and Grow Rich. They didn't release Outwitting the Devil, I think, until 2011, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it was after the 2008 tank, yeah. so somewhere in that time. Yeah, so that one's phenomenal. Uh, that's a reread, absolutely. So um, other stuff, I actually just read uh, Alex Hormozzi's book, $100 million that offers. Good. That thing's awesome. I, like, I can't really speak good. enough about that. I'm going to reread it just because he makes it so simple and the way he puts it out and uh, stuff in that book. I've paid 20 grand in masterminds to learn just how to build offers. And he has it all laid out right there for free or yeah. 20 bucks. Or whatever. You're a business owner. You, you, you definitely have to read that. And I had a little thing with Alex Hermosi. I wasn't quite sure what I thought of him. And then I read that book and then I read it again. I'm like, this dude is giving away so much value. I, anything I thought was dumb because he's phenomenal. He's just, yeah, his brain he's real. He's just like, I'm just trying to help business owners. And he's like, yeah, but if you're at 10 million, I'll, invest in your company and help you grow it. So it's like, it's, it's the mindset that's just incredible. Yeah. I absolutely love it. All right. Um, before I ask you your last question, go ahead and like, go ahead and tell us where we can find you and why we would find you. Yeah. So if you're getting the stuff that I was talking about in the high performance space, um, or even nutrition and fitness, if that appeals to you. If you uh, want to do this at a higher level than just trusting yourself to do it, uh, check out uh, my company, Elevated Kinetics. That's my high-performance coaching company. It's elevatedkinetics.com. And we are still in the leaders and high achievers space. So if you're an entrepreneur, C-suite, uh, somebody who has leadership, schedule freedom, uh, you want to 
lose body fat, whether or not you do, we do that. Optimize your fitness, your performance. It's, so you can have more energy, be more present with your family, and also just have more swagger and more confidence to be a better leader in business because you're finally getting control of optimizing your body. That's awesome. Awesome. And you mentioned 2X, so people can look up 2X. Yeah, uh, 2X.co, not 2X.com. Uh, but yeah, if you're um, if you're looking for business help and you're in the uh, sub 5 million uh, area, uh, service-based online, check out 2X. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, it's Avery and Wyatt or Avery Wyatt Company. Is that what it's called? I bet you with all the things I just plugged, the one that's going to get the most is Avery Wyatt. Cause it's like, <laughs> Oh, it's close. And they're awesome. Sweet. They look great on the toddler. They're a gift. Christmas is coming up. I'll bet that one gets the most clicks. Oh, what will make the biggest impact in your life is, is probably not close, but you're right. That's just human nature. Okay, Brian, last. That'll that'll help my life because you'll support my <laughs> wife's company. So, and then she'll be like, all these sales came through and that'll actually help move the needle. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that's good. Uh, last question I ask everybody is if you could go back in time and share one piece of advice to yourself, just one, what would it be? Learn sales and marketing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I'm talking about myself at 16. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's nothing sleazy about sales. And the reframe that I would give myself is that if you're not selling your product and your product is good, you are doing the world a disservice and you're being selfish by holding on to it, by not getting it out there in other people's hands. And that's the mindset shift that I really had to have to not feel weird about sales. Really good. That's really good. Brian, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. Fun, man. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.